Hey everyone, just wanted to give you a quick heads up that in today's episode we're talking about depression and also we touch upon suicidality. So if these are topics that you don't feel comfortable with that might trigger you, then please skip this episode and listen to the next one. Otherwise, enjoy! Welcome back, everyone. Hey, everyone. Before we start this episode, we need to acknowledge that we are recording this on Lola's birthday, which may I say, I really appreciate you taking the time to record on (laughs) your birthday. Like, I I love that commitment. Well, we had to catch up anyway, so I thought we could do two in one. Yeah. So Lola, many of and our... And it's always a pleasure, you know. Mm. Many I of our listeners pleasure. many of our listeners will be wondering how old you're turning. Is that a secret you're willing to share? Um, I'm going to say I'm in my mid-twenties. <laughs> and just keep it up for interpretation. <laughs> I love it. So basically we decided that we would continue celebrating Lola's 25th birthday, so... Happy quarter century. Thanks so much. So we are going into a work by Freud, which is about depression. It's about depression. And I actually thought about it. It's interesting that we've been recording almost 40 episodes and have not done an episode on depression. Yeah. Also, I think one reason for that is because depression is a huge topic and it's very difficult to kind of like you know start and also it is a very well depressing topic or maybe um and today we're using one of freud's very um famous works called mourning and melancholia and we want to explain basically in his words but broken down more simply the difference between sadness and depression because i also think like so many things we bring into this podcast the word depression depression is used very colloquially very often also yeah. by me you know it's also sometimes like oh my god oh my god i had such a shit day i was feeling so depressed etc and i think just pointing out some differences and some key points that freud wrote about is very interesting and i know you also really love that um, that essay that he wrote i do i think it's really clear i mean of course freud uses like kind of complicated ways to describe simple things but if you do simplify it it's such a clear way of differentiating what's healthy and what's not Mm. yeah that definitely helped me a lot because it's one of the mental illnesses that you can't really um argue with like if somebody says that they're depressed it's really hard to say no you're not Mm -hmm. and I think that's why it's like really diagnosed a lot because you kind of just have to go with what the person is saying like the symptoms are all about they're really personal rather than obvious behaviors that you can identify yeah that's true it's important to also talk about this because feelings of sadness and emptiness etc are feelings that we all encounter at parts of our lives because, you know, stuff happens, shit happens, horrible things happen or not horrible things happen and you just might feel that way, a certain way. And maybe hearing a little bit about the difference between sadness and actual depression 
um, might also help you to differentiate what's going on here. Because what, what Freud basically says is that sadness, and he calls it mourning, and depression, which he called melancholia back then, he says that these are both very similar, but also very different responses to a loss. Maybe let's start with mourning, so sadness, what it is and what the difference is. He he says that mourning is never pathological and pathological means um, unhealthy, unhealthy, I guess. I guess. Yeah, pathological means unhealthy. So he says that sadness is never unhealthy. It's very normal. And the thing about sadness, sadness is that it's finite. It's it's a transforming process and it takes a certain while, but then it's kind of like, it, then it ends. Yeah, and I think the, for me, the easiest way to think about the difference, so now that we're, we're talking about mourning, is mourning in your conscious mind. So you have a clear idea of what you're grieving and what you're sad about. Exactly. And you can connect your emotions to an object. So I, I don't want to say it's like more, it's almost comforting, but you have, there's no, there's no confusion about what you're upset about. So you know exactly what your sadness is directed towards. Exactly. And there, there is an object. An object doesn't necessarily need to be a person because, you know, sadness can also, of course, arise when something else is lost. But we just call objects like everything basically that holds gratification for the person. And basically yeah. there is a tie, a libidi libidinal tie to a certain object. And then that object is lost. So the libido needs to detach itself from the object. And that is painful and that is sad. But then it takes a while and then it kind of attaches itself to something else um, mm -hmm. that, that may sound like really abstract and stuff. But what it means is that sadness is, as you say, it's on a conscious level. You can also verbalize it. And I read, which I thought is interesting, is like the pain that you feel when you're sad is felt in a very external way. And the yeah. person can verbalize it. So as you say, we can make sense of it. So it's the world around you that feels empty. It's the world around you that feels sad and heartbreaking, but it's not you. Whereas yeah. in depression, it's different. And also something that's really interesting about mourning, um, talking about like the object and your libido. The thing about mourning is that um, your libidinal energy... <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm talking about like astrology. <laughs> I'm about I know. <laughs> I know. So you're like libidinal energy, which there's there's no way to really describe libido without sounding weird. Mm. But for me, I just think about it as energy. Mm -hmm. So it attaches to the object that you're mourning. But the healthy thing to do is that once you mourn this object, your uh, libido would still exist in the outside world and just attach to another object. And I think that's the key exactly said. It stays in the external world. Yeah. And now like the key difference in melancholia is that your libido, your libidinal energy will go inwards towards yourself. So it does not exist externally. Exactly. So when we come to depression or melancholia, 
it is a persistent state as opposed to, you know, a finite state. It's a persistent state and it's a pathological state. And also it's what? What are you laughing? <laughs> I'm just I'm just laughing because um I feel like I'm sorry, this is so unrelated. Yeah. But I just said libidinal <laughs> and like an American would say libidinal. And I just feel like me and you, like our accents change so much on <laughs> this podcast. But anyway. Perhaps. Just to make clear, me, Carla, I'm Austrian <laughs> and I have a weird accent. And Lola's American. But apparently now she also has a weird accent. <laughs> Sometimes I, I pick up having a weird accent too. But anyway. And it's yeah. funny because I always hear that I speak very American. And like I'm very content with my English but sometimes when we speak and I say certain words as soon as I say them I'm like whoa that was a strong <laughs> accent you know what I mean <laughs> yeah that's what I just had yeah. when I said libidinal yeah oh my god well coming back to <laughs> so okay we we covered the sadness part the, right. the morning part so morning is you know there is a certain time and then it's kind of like ended it's on a conscious level and it's more external the libidinal the <laughs> the libido um is detached from an object but then it is still ex external almost and attaches yeah. itself to something else and when we come to depression or melancholia that is a very persistent state it's a pathological state and it happens unconsciously and instead exactly. and instead of the libido um, attaching itself to a different object in the external world it actually kind of um Fuck, I don't know the English word. It kind of, instead of going out, it goes inwards. It's being internalized. And mm -hmm. in melancholia, it's not the external world that feels like empty, but it's the ego that feels very empty. So a loss yes. of an object actually becomes the loss of ego or the loss of self. In melancholia, the pain that you feel is felt internally. And it's almost like the loss that you experience is so unbearable that it cannot be felt on a conscious level. So it's repressed. It's pushed to the unconscious, but it's still active there, which also explains why when you ask someone who is depressed or if you have ever felt depressed yourself, it's a feeling you cannot even describe. It's not, yeah. it's not just, it's not sadness. It's really empty. You just, it's, it's worse than sadness because you cannot verbalize it because there is no feeling. It's just empty. Yeah. And another thing that I'm not 100% clear on, but it's like the way that um, it's described is that you you identify with the lost object and like the internalization of the lost loved one or object becomes like a split within you. And, and this internalization of your of the lost object has like <clears throat> very harsh and judgmental and angry kind of associations around it which is which is interesting because like you said before it doesn't really match how we think of somebody being depressed mm -hmm. it's it's very aggressive and i think that's something that is not known to many people, you know, who are not in this field or not, I don't know, maybe have never met someone or have never had contact with someone who is depressed, etc. But what is known or, or what we see is that like a huge, huge factor in depression is 
aggression and mm-hmm. you would when you hear that you would say like that well that doesn't make sense because these people you know are very empty and they feel very sad um but actually there is so much aggression in depression but again it cannot be expressed it cannot yeah. be verbalized so instead it is being turned on the self and it's interesting because when you start working with depressed people this aggression will slowly come up in therapy which is extremely important also to bring up because the goal is that the yeah. ego becomes stronger and i think what you said before about the the object and stuff this this sounds also technical so maybe let's make it a bit more yeah. understandable and really take an example let's say someone is depressed and what you notice very often that an object in that sense is very often a person that is close to the patient from life, whether it be the mother, the father, the aunt, the sister, whatever. And what happens is that, that there is extreme ambivalence toward that object slash person. So there's not only love for this person, but also hate. And mm-hmm. this, this object is like, it cannot be given up completely. But it needs to be given up. So what the patient does instead, someone who is depressed, is that they internalize the object. So they kind of, oh my god, this sounds so fucking weird. (laughs) This probably will not make any sense. They kind of, in the external world, they give up the object. But the object lives on internally. It's like Mm. almost like, let's say it's a a mother-daughter situation. The daughter is the patient. The mother is the object. Maybe this mother is really ambivalently coined you know what I mean there's not just love for the mother but also hate for the mother and then the object the mother's internalized so the mother almost lives within the daughter I don't know if this makes any sense but that's where the aggression comes from it's against that object but it's internalized yeah so I think I'm also I'm gonna try to add on and maybe this is even simpler Mm -hmm. imagine you feel abandoned by your father doesn't mean that he abandoned you it's just how you perceived him you feel abandoned by your father but these feelings of abandonment are not necessarily conscious so you don't even really know that that's how he made you feel or that's what you think he did to you um so you you push you push these feelings down because of course they're not pleasant so it's it's easier to just keep them not accessible and then when you do identify with your father who you think abandoned you the key to melancholia is that you feel all these things that you should be feeling towards your father exactly to to yourself exactly the key so you should have all these feelings towards the person who disappointed you but for some reason, they're either too hard for you to accept or, or maybe you are too sca- painful for you. Or maybe also you're scared that if you were to express them, that person would actually abandon you. Yes. So like all these things that, that make it impossible to have these feelings towards, you know, the healthy thing that we were talking about, the external object 
for some reason you've almost tricked yourself and you feel them towards yourself. And this is why aggression is such a big thing in depression, because as you say, it's all this build up aggression or ambivalent feelings towards this person or this object, but it cannot be expressed. So it's turned on the self and it's all unconscious. The reason why also depression tends to be very chronic and like takes a long, long time to heal is because all these conflicts and feelings are unconscious and it just takes a while to dismantle what is what. And if you were to, you know, make a a proposition to someone who is, you know, diagnosed with a depression, you would say theoretically, you know, we have to work on your aggression. That person also wouldn't understand what you mean because they don't feel anything. It it takes time to even get to that point and then slowly, slowly Mm -hmm. figure out what's going on. But yeah, hopefully this explains like one of the main symptoms for me that I associate with depression. I think this, all this information really explains why it's so exhausting. And it's because you have this nonstop well of like hate inside of you. Exactly. And it's interesting because I mean, depression is such a common, unfortunately, such a common illness diagnosis. But I was also, when I had my eating disorder, I was diagnosed with a depression. And I remember in phases where I really felt just so, so horrible. And I'm sure that doesn't mean you don't need to be diagnosed with a depression for that. I'm sure you also notice when you're just having a really shit time. Mm -hmm. Um, You have these thoughts about yourself, you know, and like things like you're so stupid, you're so lazy, you're so, I don't know even though you're feeling so sad and empty, but these thoughts, when you start to observe them, they are so aggressive. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because it's almost when you listen to them or when you just, yeah, observe them, it sounds like someone else is speaking. Yeah. It's really as if someone else was insulting you. You know, you're so dumb. Why can you never get anything done? Why are you la la la? And that kind of also explains this this object that is... um, that should be expressed too, but you can't. <laughs> I read the book in, in, in German, so I'm struggling oh, okay. a bit. I mean, just to make things even more complicated, <laughs> there's, there's more to it than just depression and grief. This is where I think the lines get blurry between like pathological and healthy mm. because weirdly enough which freud does a lot he like kind of contradicts himself in in another article that freud wrote called the ego and the id he actually said that this process of mourning as well as melancholia is the key turning point in everybody's development and he described this process as Um, like we said before, this inner division and this internalization of the object, that's what happens in the edible phase. And we did an episode on the edible phase if if you're not totally clear on it, but it's just a part of your development. And during this time, you do actually go through a similar process of melancholia where you internalize your parent Mm -hmm. and this internalization 
forms the the superego. And all of us have a superego. So again, there's like, there's also a healthy degree of this. It's not that melancholia means that you have depression. No. And that it, you need to yeah. go get treatment. So the superego is something really similar to what we do find in depression. It's like this inner voice that's very aggressive and puts you down and tells you what's right and wrong. But the point is, if you do have depression, it's much, much more severe and much, much more aggressive and negative. Yeah. And I think what maybe we should have clarified is when we talk about depression in a pathological sense, it's, you know, people who really have depression for a very long time and it's yeah. always reoccurring. That doesn't mean it's there 24 seven, you know, there's depressive phases and depending on the person, they may, may occur more regularly or not, or just a few times in life. Um, also depending on your medication, because depression, I personally believe is absolutely something that should also be treated with medication. Mm -hmm. um, also, I think it's important to acknowledge that there is a certain genetic factor to depression there just is, I'm not a, an expert in that field, but I think sometimes in the field of therapy and psychoanalysis, we get very caught up in our own theories and stuff. But I do also believe that to a certain extent, certain yeah. illnesses are just, you just have a, a predisposition for it or not. And depression is also one of those. But yeah, I think that that's the biggest differences between sadness and, and depression is that the, the time, you know, how, how long it lasts and if it's yeah. ever, so to say, en ended and that sadness works on a conscious level and depression doesn't. And then this external pain almost in a sadness and the internal pain and where it's really more about the, the ego being very weak and empty in uh, melancholia and that melancholia or depression is very much associated with ambivalence and an aggression which you might not you know think makes mm -hmm. sense but it really it does yeah actually talking about medication um i met somebody recently who really uh told me something so interesting and i think it's it should be shared because i didn't mm -hmm. know this um, so he, he doesn't have depression. He has something called dysthymia, but dysthymia, whatever. <laughs> okay. Um, which is like a mild form of depression. Uh, and it just means that you have, you know, depressive symptoms, but it's not as severe as yeah. full blown depression. And he said that he went to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist suggested that before he goes on medication, they do genetic testing. Mm -hmm. And through this testing, he got like medical results that his body does not, his body produces 40% less serotonin mm -hmm. than a normal person. Yeah. Wow. Whoa. And that is I feel like crazy. it's so helpful to understand if you should be taking medication or not. Yeah, definitely. And I didn't even yeah. know that was possible. Yeah, to that like 
yeah measure that dude that would be so interesting to find out oh my god you should not have told me after last week's episode when you <laughs> mentioned that i love going to doctors i'm gonna go to my gp being like so i need to find out how much serotonin i produce <laughs> Um, no, but that's so interesting. And I would genuinely be very interested to find that out. Um, because for example, in my family, it's interesting. And the women's side, like my mother, my grandmother, my great grandmother, etc. There is a history of depression. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I don't know, you know, it's always, it's always the question, uh, nature versus nurture, etc. But it just would be interesting to find out a certain um, genetic disposition. Also, I was just thinking that, of course, when you go to a psychiatrist or something and you get diagnosed with depression, there is not like depression, you know, there's different types of depression and different diagnosis. Just to make that clear, there is a difference between a mild depressive episode and a severe depression with psychotic symptoms, etc. It's not like one diagnosis, but um, that's the general dynamic of it. Also, um, I remember in one of my classes actually we took a test which was something like the depression scale and i scored very high <laughs> that sounds like you want to contact I, I scored very high on I the depression very high which is like basically an indicator for treatment so also these tests and these symptom checkers and all of it they're not necessarily correct in what you need like of course objectively maybe I am a little bit more depressive than the average person but as long as you don't feel like you need treatment or as long as you don't feel like you're really struggling it's also okay to not be in the best mood all the time exactly I think it's very important to be mentioned especially in the last year and almost a half with COVID because I really feel like, I don't know how how you see it or you guys when you listen, but I really feel like as the younger generations, I dare say, I mean, everyone, but speaking for our generation, um, after a a year and a bit more, I'm really starting to also feel the impact of COVID. And again, I know that this is on a minor scale because, you know, I it hasn't impacted me thankfully as much as it has other people but I tend to feel more sad lonely angry these days than like a year ago I don't know I I feel like I'm running on fumes you know what I mean and I I know that from talking to friends um, to talking to relatives etc that many many people have the same and I think that's also a point where we have to be really patient with ourselves and, and understanding and also just be accepting of not performing or, you know, being like quote unquote normal and comparing yeah. ourselves to like two years ago. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like um, I'm really kind of almost running out of energy. But you know why that's so interesting? It's like what you said really makes sense because we're all, I mean, we were all in quarantine so you almost you're you don't have any external (laughs) world to project anything onto yeah like you're just living in your home with your thoughts and you don't have much contact to the outer world so i think that makes so much sense and i think it also explains 
why depression is so much more common in situations of isolation and being alone because there there isn't much of a external world to point your energy towards yes there's nature and like the physical outside world but if you don't have objects in that world like we described ob objects before where are you going to turn your energy to probably yeah. just yourself exactly it's interesting that you say that because um I remember talking about this in, in my therapy once and I it was just a phase where I felt really bored but worse than bored because when I say bored I don't I don't mean that I don't know what to do because I always I don't have an issue with keeping myself you know busy yeah. but really more like bored in my routine in my everyday life and I was talking to my therapist about it and he said yes because your libido isn't attached to anything yeah And that really made me think, and it's true. And that was also a phase where I was, there was absolutely nothing to do in uni. I was like waiting for exams, etc. It was really just, I didn't have anything to focus on. I didn't have anything or also not anyone to attach my libido to. And that made me feel extremely empty and really like, ugh. And I think yeah. that's what a lot of people also have at this point. And um And of course, there's also many people who really have been pushed into a real depression, like real, quote unquote, yeah. in, a, in a really more severe depression within the last year. And if you're listening to this and you have been feeling different or maybe you have been feeling like this is an issue for you, I, I really get it. Like, <laughs> I really, really get it. And it's really horrible and shit. And yeah, reaching out I, always helps. Definitely. I don't want to be the bummer of this episode. But I think we have to address something that is connected with depression that I hate talking about, but suicide. So just to bring it into how we've been describing depression, melancholia, suicide fits into the whole thing because when you internalize the object... And just like having hateful thoughts towards it or judgmental thoughts towards it, which ends up being yourself, even though it doesn't sound healthy. The healthy thing for a person to feel is, oh, this person really disappointed me. I'm so angry I could kill them. But like we explained before, it's living within you. So you just have those thoughts towards yourself. Yeah, you could even say, um, you know, we talked about the object and the, the ego. And it, when you are depressed or when you're in that melancholic state, the goal with therapy and how you kind of get out of it, and this like takes a while, or is that you, your ego gets stronger through therapy also and through medication and through time. Your ego gets stronger and kind of conquers this mm -hmm. very sadistic and aggressive object. And unfortunately, in suicidality, when someone commits suicide, you could say that the object won. Yeah. Which is uh, very, very tragic. And unfortunately, suicide is something that happens very, very often. Yeah, I, I don't know if this is too much information, but maybe it should be talked about. I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, in Vienna, if you live in Vienna, you know, you know, it's not a very large city. 
compared to others. Um, and when you go on the U-Bahn and on the subways and the trams, etc., especially when you go into U-Bahn and sometimes you hear that there's a, a disturbance and they say, you know, the U-Bahn is late or something. And then like half the cases, this is because someone jumped in front of the subway. Yeah. Which is just crazy to think. Um, and yeah, there's many statistics. We don't need to like mention this now. But it's a real thing and depression is a real thing and very common. And I hope when you listen, you've never had it. Um, but chances are very high that everyone who's listening to this, including us, also either knows someone who is struggling with depression or knows someone who knows someone, etc. And some, to some extent, it may be a topic in your life. Yeah. And I hope our kind of attempt at making the freudian explanation of it more clear worked and maybe it can clear some more things up for you like one that i just actually thought about which i didn't connect before is we all know this thing about medication which i think is talked about so much where it's known that antidepressants increase um, suicide rates in patients so there's a danger if you're extremely depressed and you start taking antidepressants, there's a risk of suicide in the beginning. And this sounds so strange and so crazy because you would think that medication should make you feel better and make you less depressed. But it goes along with exactly what we've been talking about this whole episode, it takes time to get rid of this internalized object. It takes time to strengthen your ego. It takes time to fix all these associations that you've been living with. It's not like a, oh, I'm going to take medication and problem solved. Mm. The problem with taking medication without being in therapy is that this medication does make you feel better and you do start to get some energy. Um, which you've been robbed of while suffering from depression. But this energy is not necessarily to do productive or good things. So you, you get this burst of energy and then you feel like you can finally kill that object uh. or you can finally get rid of that object. So definitely keep in mind it's never the case that taking medication will solve your problem for you. Like it always has to be a combination. And that counts for all different problems that you have that you may be take, taking um, psychopharmacological medication for. Same with when you want to come off of medication. I think yeah. it's the very common conception in the moment that you think, oh, once you're feeling better, you don't need to take medication, you know, and then mm -hmm. you just stop and you completely drop it's always a buildup and also a coming down from medication. And it, as you say, I think the most important thing here is that it just takes time. Everything takes time. Therapy also takes time, as we know, because <laughs> we've been in therapy for years. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I just hope with this episode, we, first of all, didn't make you too <laughs> depressed. But yeah. also, I mostly hope that we could kind of just pinpoint out some, um, just show some key differences in understanding what is the difference between sadness and actual depression because they are very different yeah and if you want to read this paper yeah it's actually very short yeah it's super short so 
if you feel like reading Freud, it's a good one. It's a good one. And <laughs> he probably explains it better than we did. <laughs> um, but I yeah. want to clear up what we just talked about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to read it and be like, oh, okay, why didn't you say that? <laughs> um, but yeah, with that, we're going to leave you. Lola, what is your the rest of the day looking like? What are your plans for your birthday Ooh, after so this I'm... after this uplifting hour? <laughs> yeah, so this has been great. Thank this you for been... choosing this topic for my day. <laughs> I didn't know we were recording on your birthday. <laughs> so my birthday is also soon. Maybe we should do like a combined birthday episode and do something. Oh my God, let's do a birthday party. Oh my God, wait. Guys, I feel like another live stream. Is, oh is coming up for us true true that could be let's yeah yeah that's a good idea <laughs> because we know you've missed them <laughs> literally the first live stream we ever did there were eight years that's so, true but the one that the truth or drink one mm-hmm. is one or maybe even i haven't checked but it was at that time it was the most viewed post on our thing yeah, so. I think birthday is perfect occasion. Yeah. Well, I, another one. I hope you will get drunk without me <laughs> today. I will. Yeah, so today I'm moving. And then hopefully I can go party a little bit. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, thank you guys for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, let us know your thoughts and ideas for future topics. Yeah. Thanks so much. And... Keep your eyes out for our live stream. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.